filled with teaching, truths and issues that matter. Bernie Diamond's A Different Perspective, part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. With other people, that there is more to life. We're going to talk about personal testimonies today. We're going to reflect on the passion that we might have for the gospel message. Our special guest over this coming hour is Dave Jensen. Dave was, by his own admission, a drinker, a fighter, a womanizer in the Australian Army. But something happened that changed his life. In his later 20s, he was born again as a Christian. And the twist that comes with Dave's story is that he's a little bit like that prodigal son that we might read about in the Bible, the rebel in the family, Uh, part of the family of a quite renowned uh, Anglican heritage. Former Sydney Anglican Archbishop Peter Jensen is Dave's father. Well, the Jensen family are quite towering figures in the Anglican Church in Australia. And as a boy growing up in a Christian home, Dave was resistant to the things of God, absorbed in his own personal ambitions. He replaced the God of the universe with the God of self, replaced God with himself, doing his own thing. Well, lots of us can recognize a rebellious streak in our own lives, where our own desires surpass our passion for God, whether it's sport or career there's a risk of losing a focus on what is important. And there was a point where Dave realized that he had to get things right with God. Dave, these days, a father of four, serves as an evangelist, a part of the Anglican Church, and has a tremendous story of transformation. And Dave Jensen is joining us. Hello, Dave. Welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Thanks very much for having me. Well, Dave, I hope I've reflected some of those details uh, in setting up our conversation today and just uh, telling the story of your life and really uh, wanted to just sort of uh, short-circuit a few uh, long-winded parts of our conversation today so we can focus on sharing faith and having come from a background, having your own personal story, your personal testimony, uh, that that's actually a powerful part of sharing the gospel. But just take us back to some of those days where you uh, you describe yourself as sort of smashed, deceived, antagonistic to the things of God. Take us back to those days and, and reflect on your own story. Uh, I suppose, Neil, for me, uh, the key to uh, my story was self-worship. Uh, I, I really didn't deny God because uh, I didn't believe in God, but... By no means was I an atheist, an agnostic. I believed in God. I just didn't like God. I didn't want his say and his rule over my life. I wanted to to be in control. And, of course, when you live that way, uh, when you live with yourself as your own God, uh, your actions uh, quickly reflect your self-obsession. For for me, that came out in really typical ways. Um, Certainly nothing revolutionary uh, about my story. It was... uh, uh, drinking, sleeping around, um, uh, just really living in a way where I put myself first, lying. I was an incredible, a world-class gold medal-winning liar. I just really just lied and lied and lied about everything. And this sort of lying is something that eventually uh, you get to a point where 
you have to address. As I understand it, as I reflect on your story, you were hung over one morning and uh, all of a sudden it just sort of came over you like a, uh, you know, you were over, over, overwhelmed by a sense of your own uh, lying and, uh, and deception, self-deception. Reflect on, on uh, that time when you were just uh, having that encounter almost with God as, as to your own self-deception. Neil, it was uh, in Darwin. Uh, I was in the army as a captain in the infantry up in Darwin. And um, you're spot on. I, I awoke a morning uh, hungover um, and was in the most bizarre sense, in a sense that had never happened to me before, uh, struck by two things. One, a deep, what I now know I'll call a conviction of sin, an awareness of my goodness. Not only have I been... Uh, acting in a way which is utterly reprehensible to most people anyway. Um, but above all else, I've been acting in a way that is utterly horrendous, horrific towards God, who I'd, I'd always believed in, remember. And then uh, the second thing I was struck with uh, was an overwhelming sense that uh, this wasn't meaningless. I was actually wasting my life. And that uh, when I was to die, if I was to be judged on what I'd done, I would go to hell. Uh, and I was struck by a great fear in that. Uh, it was at that point, brother, uh, that the years and years and years of evangelism that I'd received as a child and a teenager uh, began to, to, I guess, come home to roost. It really, uh, God used it to remind me of some of the great promises that he makes to us in his scripture, um, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that those who are in Christ Jesus are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. I could not believe that a second chance would be available for me. I knew I must fling myself before God for his mercy. Um, uh, but I, I held on to those promises that I, that I learned in Sunday school, the promises that many, many men and women had told me through many years, uh, that God is good, uh, that God loves me, and that God sent Jesus to forgive me, and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Gee, it wasn't half-hearted, was it? It was the real deal. It took everything. Um, Reflect for me for a few moments, Dave, on the idea that everyone uh, wants to base their life on a firm foundation, but unless we know the foundation, which is the rock, uh, the the only real firm foundation of Christ, uh, that all of these pursuits that we have, whether it's sport or career, uh, whether it's this sort of, you know, the drunkenness, uh, the womanizing, all of those sorts of things that uh, that, you know, you're talking about in your own life. Uh, those things were not necessarily providing the firm foundation you recognised was important in light of eternity. Neil, I like to call it uh, the staircase of achievement. In one way or the other, uh, we're all on it. And your staircase can be utterly, um, really, really respectable. But it might be career or family, uh, getting a house or property. Uh, it might be all these things that society says, they're, they're good things to pursue. Or it might be things that society think are disrespectable, getting drunk, uh, sleeping around, getting in fights, selling drugs. It could be any number of, of these things. But in one way or another, all of us are on this stairway of achievement. All of us are seeking to find contentment, seeking to find peace, seeking to find value and meaning and purpose. But the problem with everything is that you and I, all your listeners, we were, we were designed not to be satisfied by these things, but only to be satisfied by God. And so that's why there's no amount of sex, there's no amount of money, there's no amount of property, there's no amount of any of these things that will ever satisfy you. They'll always leave you wanting more and more and more. 
because you were designed only to be satisfied by the Most High, only to be satisfied by God. And he is the only one who can give you what it is that you're actually looking for. Let's talk some about foundations, because there's something of a controversy that is brewing in a part of the Anglican Church in Australia. And and uh, I won't bring you in as uh, necessarily the spokesman on behalf of the Anglican Church. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> uh, because uh, that might get you into trouble. Even with a name like Jensen, you might still, uh, you know, might uh, face the uh, the ire of those above you. Uh, but there's a there's a controversy brewing, and 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 for listeners, uh, let's let's try and join the dots between what it is as a foundation, because the new birth, you know, this appreciation of coming to Christ. Uh, being a new creation, well, that doesn't necessarily make the foundation. There are things that Christians believe that make the foundation for our lives, those things that we believe without question and basing those things on the Scriptures. There's a controversy that is brewing in Brisbane. And uh, for Queensland listeners, uh, you'll appreciate uh, that there may be some different things that Anglicans believe in different parts of the nation. But the Archbishop in Brisbane has appointed a archdeacon, his name is Jeremy Greaves, as an assistant bishop in the diocese in Brisbane. And now Greaves' appointment is going to be viewed as very controversial and even provocative. He gained some notoriety for himself when the dean of the Darwin Cathedral as a proponent of progressive Christianity. So remember that terminology. Now he's been an outspoken supporter of things like same-sex marriage. And even more troubling for some is that he rejects some key understandings of Christianity uh, that he's going to be required to reaffirm at his consecration. And when we talk about those key understandings of Christianity, referring to early ecumenical creeds. Mm. And uh, for many listeners, uh, they'll be familiar and some won't. uh, The idea of an Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, those things that actually do identify for us a firm foundation based on the scriptures, and because they're historic, they've become part of a foundation for us into the future. When you think of these things, Dave Jensen, uh, when you think of a firm foundation on which to base your life, on which to base eternal things, those things are important. How do you feel when, when some people are departing from the creeds, even in your own denomination? Yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, question, Neil. Uh, it's important to, uh, for me to say, if just from, from the beginning, uh, I don't know the gentleman involved here, and, um, and I'm not sure on what uh, he said and, and hasn't said. But this discussion is so helpful because it can actually uh, allow us to understand what does it mean to call yourself a Christian? What does it mean? Does it, can anyone call themselves a Christian? Can an atheist be a Christian? Or is there something more to it than that? Um, and that's the reason we have these creeds. And the ecumenical, as you say, they're across all uh, what you'd call orthodox Christian denominations. Uh, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed. They, these are, I guess, statements of faith, summaries of the truths, the doctrines of the Bible uh, that came around in the, uh, probably the first four centuries of Christianity. Uh, and they were really, really important because they stipulated then and now what we as Christians believe. Really important stuff like uh, the doctrine of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, that Jesus Christ physically died and physically rose from the dead. 
that if you believe and hold on to these things, these statements of faith, then uh, you are a Christian if you've been born again by the Holy Spirit. This is what you believe. But if you can read these statements and actually say, oh, hold on, uh, I don't think I believe in that. I, I don't believe in the physical resurrection of the dead. Um, and that's probably a good warning sign uh, to yourself uh, and also uh, to others, particularly if you're in a position of ministry, uh, that mm, I'm really veering away from orthodox biblical Christianity here. And of course, brother, we've got many um, uh, cults and sects uh, around Australia and the world who would not be able to say these creeds, uh, who don't believe in the physical resurrection of the dead or the Trinity. And that's where we can say, well, these people are not Christians. Um, for me as an Anglican, I'll say one thing. What matters to me most is that I go to a church which loves Jesus Christ and the Jesus Christ we know of in the Bible. And that's what matters to me. Um, Anglican or not, it's, it's really by the by. What matters to me is that I go to a church that preaches the gospel, uh, the gospel that we find in the Bible. Um, and so in Sydney, uh, a lot of the Anglican churches, in fact the majority, would be Bible-believing, Jesus-loving churches. And a lot of the Anglican churches outside of Sydney are also Bible-believing, Jesus-loving churches. But what matters to me most, if I was to move into state, isn't denomination, but I'd ask myself the question, does this church preach the gospel? Is this a church that loves the Bible, that teaches the Bible? Uh, and those questions are far more important to me than denomination. And, and a good way of testing this, of course, is by seeing if they abide with these creeds. Can we agree with what they say? Well, actually, this is a very, very important uh, topic of conversation if we were getting into this and uh, going a little bit deeper too because uh, these creeds are so essentially important because, mm. as you say, they're summaries of the important Christian doctrines that we glean from the Bible. And uh, if you actually... Uh, I mean, because I mean, the creeds are not the Bible, no, that's right. Uh, the Bible, we say, would be the Word of God, uh, God's revelation to us. Uh, but those creeds are so important because they're historic, because they're so old. Uh, you go back as close as you can uh, to uh, the resolution of all of those controversies, as you say, in those first four centuries. And what, what we have is the appearance of the Apostles' Creed and the, the Nicene Creed. Mm. And, uh, and as a good Anglican uh, for in your upbringing, Dave, no doubt you'd probably be able to recite uh, the Nicene Creed as so many Anglican churches do around the nation every week. And well, not that I'm going to ask you to. I'm not putting you on the spot. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, and many of our listeners will say, well, you know what, that, our, our church actually recites that creed every week. And there's others that don't. Uh, there's an important aspect in uh, understanding the creed. If you don't recite it in church, at least uh, to understand that the creeds are important. And a lot of churches do recite them every week. But something of those creeds, when you do recite them every week, Dave, they become part of you and uh, it affirms who you are as a Christian. So when it comes to sharing your faith, you're not coming from some sort of airy-fairy way, but something firm and, and founded well. That's, right. That's exactly right, Neil. I, I need to make it really clear. I think we need to make it clear for our listeners, your listeners as well, um, that we're not saying... Uh, when we're talking about the creeds, one of the common mistakes is uh, we're saying, hey, every church should have prayer books and stand up and say these things out loud and sit there. No, 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 no. The, the, those are things of practice, how we do church. I love um, the Hillsong uh, version of the creed, if you, if you know, this I believe. Um, that's a, a modern variant of the Apostles' Creed. 
that you can stand there and you can sing out to God, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ the Son. Um, the, the big issue isn't how uh, you recite these creeds or whether you recite them in your service. Uh, I go to a church where we don't, I go to, I'm an Anglican pastor, and we don't recite creeds out loud, um, but we're a church that, without a shadow of a doubt, abides by these creeds and teaches what's within these creeds, as we find in the Bible, uh, to our children, our teenagers, our adults, uh, everyone and anyone. And so that's the important thing. And not, not so much uh, the traditional practice of what happened, which can turn a lot of people off, but more, more importantly than that, is this what my church believes? Does my church really believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, things visible and invisible, so on and so forth? If the answer is no, or if there's a, a person in authority um, who does not hold these things, then it is a time to ask serious questions and go, well... Um, we need to think about whether we can support you in this position uh, and we need to question uh, whether we can remain in this in this church. Uh, there's challenges uh, for what might be unfolding in Queensland, uh, mm. but the interesting and very important aspect uh, I'm just sort of, you know, as I say, uh, joining the dots to is that when you have shared your faith with someone, if they respond and say, yes, I would like to trust Jesus, I would like to invite Jesus into my heart, I would like to repent of my sins and be a new creation. And that's sometimes, you know, we talk about those things happening when we share the gospel. Mm. Well, you better be ready if you're a Christian believer because that new convert might well say to you, now what am I supposed to believe? Exactly right. <laughs> because this comes back to how important those creeds might be. Well, Exactly, brother. I mean, put it this way. Uh, when you become a Christian... When God reveals his you know, amazing grace to your heart and you come to him, you repent and you put your faith in the cross. Um, I get chills thinking about it. What a moment for all of us. Um, whether You could have been a baby and not remember that it happened, but, but that, that it happens. There's a good chance that you actually won't know every part of Christian doctrine. Um, particularly if we see people at our church coming to faith from... Um, uh, all sorts of backgrounds, people from other religions, atheistic, um, all sorts of people who, who really don't know much about doctrine. So they won't know, for example, uh, the ins and outs of the Trinity. In fact, many, Christian, many Christians struggle with the ins and outs of the Trinity, of course. Um, they might not know in the idea of the one holy and apostolic church. Now, let's be clear, that does not mean they're not Christians. But it means that as evangelists, and that's what every church should be doing, evangelizing. As people who are seeking to, to help and save the lost through God, uh, we need to be prepared to teach these sheep, to teach these sheep that God has put in our possession by his grace and really go, okay, now you trust and know the Lord Jesus. Let me share with you even more. Let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. Let me share with you about the church that we see from the Bible. You're now a member of this church, Christ's body. Um, and so these are the basic, the firm foundations, I think you called it, Neil, that we really build um, and we're able to build inside someone's heart uh, towards God so that they can not be washed away as if they're built on the sand, but they're built on the rock, uh, the truth we find through the Bible. 
Dave, let me read the Apostles' Creed. Now, the Nicene Creed, uh, for those who will be reciting that in church on a Sunday, well, it's a little bit longer than the Apostles' Creed, so I've just uh, just picked up the Apostles' Creed just to to read for listeners in case you're not so familiar with uh, just these sorts of foundations that we're talking about. Let me just read it here. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, that's small c, Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And what a wonderful, in a Mm. nutshell, Mm. foundation for what Christians believe. And so if you are confident in those things, Dave, then sharing your faith actually becomes a whole lot easier. Uh, It's exactly right. If you can stand and say, um, you believe in that God who sent his son, (laughs) conceived by the Spirit, born through a virgin, crucified, died, buried, but not only rose again from the dead physically and ascended into heaven. Uh, You believe in the God who is the sovereign ruler of them all. You believe uh, in the God whose big plan for humanity is rescue, is salvation. Um, So that not only uh, should give you confidence, but it should actually lead you towards what I call the second conversion. The idea Uh, being that, listen, you're converted to Christianity, you become a Christian, you have your faith in Jesus Christ, but actually all of us need a little bit of a second conversion to evangelism, where we really go, okay, God still put uh, uh, air in my lungs for a reason now, what am I going to do with it? Um, And I'm convinced from Scripture uh, that the reason God has still got air in our lungs, we're still here, we haven't been taken off to heaven immediately so that we can continue to share the gospel with others. And and these creeds affirm that over and over and over again. Jesus died and rose from the dead so people can have life. Um, And what a privilege that God would use broken, wretched vessels like us um, to share this glorious news with others. Uh, It's amazing. And, of course, it's the 1st of December today, Dave, and uh, for a lot of people, it's like uh, the countdown has begun. Some, <laughs> some religious uh, traditions will have uh, Advent, uh, which is a countdown to Christmas. And, right. uh, you know, and, you know, for listeners not so familiar, it's not a countdown to Santa arriving. It's a <laughs> countdown to an appreciation of even some things that we uh, that we picked up in the creed there, mm. that, uh, you know, God's only Son, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Well, well, this incarnation is so, so significant because this was the beginning of God touching humanity uh, that was going to culminate at the cross and the resurrection. But but Christmas time, as, uh, as we reflect on these things, Dave, and sharing faith and knowing who we are as Christian believers, this is a wonderful time of year to affirm who we are and to be able to share with others. Well, there's, there's two major points that I think you've struck on that are so helpful for us to remember, Neil. The first one is the purpose of Jesus' birth. Now, I remember growing up, and listen, I, I was saturated in the Bible and, and the gospel growing up, but still, uh, because my, my ears were intentionally deaf, I still didn't quite grasp that baby Jesus, this baby in the manger, was born 
for the express purpose of death. Mm. Isn't that incredible? That our purpose, you know, none of us like to think we're running towards a grave. We're trying to run away from it, trying to eat healthier and do healthier things to prevent our death. But Jesus was born to die. And, and this baby, that's why we celebrate that this baby was born for the salvation of mankind. Um, he's not an ancient Gandhi, an ancient Martin Luther King, or uh, just a civil rights leader or great teacher. No, no, no. This child in that manger is the rescue plan for humanity. Um, and what a, what a marvelous, what an absolutely amazing time of year for us to, as we celebrate and with joy, as we should, that we should never forget the purpose of this gift. God is, Jesus is a gift, but what is the gift? The gift is salvation, which can only, can only come through his death on the cross. Uh, and, the, and the second point uh, I think you hit on there, Neil, is what an amazing time of year to invite people to church. Is there an easier time of year? I mean, where you can really say to nearly anyone, hey, why don't you come to church this this well, it is a Sunday, by the way, this, this year, Christmas. Why don't you come to church on Christmas with us? Before lunchtime, you've got your aunts, your uncles, your families, your grandparents. Why don't you come along with us? It'll be great to have you along with us um, on Christmas morning or, or Christmas Eve. You see, evangelism, often we can get a bit, we can scare ourselves out of it. We think, well, I don't know how to say the gospel. I don't know how to do this, that, the other. But you don't have to feel that way. Evangelism is a bit of a team sport. And maybe your place in this team sport is just to invite people. Just invite someone. Grab a, a postcard or, or whatever from church or go online and send someone a link and say, hey, why don't you come to church with me on Christmas? I think you'd love it. I think you'll have a great time. Um, and then trust God because God's in control. The pressure's not on you. Um, but Christmas is that great time of year. Our churches are full, and so let's take advantage of it, I reckon. And you know what, Dave, and we're in the lead-up to the news now, but uh, but when you think of Christmas, you might be thinking of a nativity scene, a baby in a manger, all those beautiful things, the star, the mm. wise men. But as you, uh, I think, very, very uh, powerfully encapsulate, this is the celebration of God's rescue plan for humanity. That's it. And so if we're talking about sharing faith, that's what makes it so important to share faith and the opportunity is so open there in the lead up to the Christmas season. Mm. We're back with more. Dave Jensen is our guest. We'll continue our conversation after the news here on 2020. The way our conversation has unfolded, we've been talking about, well, if you lead someone to Christ, if someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, their next question might be, well, what is it that you believe? And we've come to talking about some uh, significant things when it comes to a controversy brewing in the Anglican Church in Queensland uh, over the creeds, the early ecumenical creeds, things like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. And so you might like to contribute to our conversation on 1-800-316-316. Dave Jensen, uh, when people are sharing their faith, and we talked about this being a time in the lead-up to Christmas a countdown to a celebration of the Incarnation. There are roadblocks that get in the way that keep us from talking about our faith. Now, we might even know these things. Uh, we might have them and uh, memorize them, learn them by rote, but sometimes there are roadblocks. What sort of things are significant, you think, that keep us from passionately sharing our gospel faith? Yeah, I, I think in, in all my conversations uh, with a lot of people in evangelism training, there's three main ones that, that keep coming up again and again and again. And the first one is by far the most common, and that is 
fear. Now, it can be fear of different things, but fear is what stops us. It could be fear of um, embarrassment, embarrassing yourself uh, in saying something wrong, or, or it could be a fear of rejection, that the person just completely shuts you down. Uh, it could be a greater fear of actually ruining a relationship. So, oh, this will just, they will hate me doing this. So I don't want to do it. I want to maintain our friendship. Or it might be a fear of discouragement that actually um, I've tried before. I've been let down before. Nothing's happened before. So I don't want to go through that again, and, and I won't do it. Um, I reckon there's another couple of reasons, and that fear is the big one, Neil, but I think uh, the other couple of reasons that people might have is people um, aren't confident that they can actually articulate the gospel. They can't sort of put into words exactly who Jesus is and what he's done. They know they believe in him, but actually telling people that can be a bit of a challenge. Um, and the final thing is probably not actually understanding where to go next. So you begin this conversation, uh, it, the dialogue begins, but then it hits a point where you go, oh, well, what do I, where do I go? Do I, do I just sort of shout out a gospel little thing by rote and then run away, or is there something to continue on with this? So I reckon fear is the big one, but there's, a, you know, there's probably a hundred roadblocks, but they're some of the three most common, I think. Uh, well, I think they're amazing because if you can work those things through in your own life, uh, you're going to be pretty well equipped to be able to share the gospel. And I really liked you picking up on that last one. Where do I go from here? That sort of ties in a little bit, doesn't it, uh, yeah. with what we were talking about, the creeds. And uh, for others who are thinking through that, you might be thinking of early discipleship classes, the idea of going through some lessons Mm-hmm. Uh, that for some people might be not oh not more lessons to yeah. go through but uh, but going through some lessons that actually form that firm foundation of of what you believe as a Christian believer. Mm. Absolutely, I, I think um, just uh, if I, if I can also speak into those roadblocks, uh, it, it's actually really important to remember. Um, that none of these things that I've identified, although they are real, and listen, I'm a professional evangelist and I feel them, um, none of them uh, will actually uh, stop God in his mission to save people. And so we need to understand uh, who exactly is on our side. We need to understand uh, that we actually don't need to be afraid. We, we don't need to worry. Uh, there's a couple of ways we do that. One is by actually just trialing out what it means to share your faith. And I think the best way to do that is probably not by going to those people who are the closest to you in your life, but you could actually just start a few times by talking to those people you might know a little bit. They know you enough to know that you know, you're know you not uh, off in a cult or anything like this, but they, you're not going to be devastated if they completely reject what you're saying. Uh, so just trialing these things out, just trialing actually sharing your faith, sharing that, hey, I went to church on Sunday, what did you get up to? Oh, I went to Bible study last night, what did you watch on telly? Just actually dropping in at your faith and you'll realize, hey, I actually don't need to be afraid. God's got this. God's, he's got me here um, and he's in control. So I don't need to worry. Uh, the, the other thing about it is articulating the gospel. And we can speak about that a little bit later. Um, is that there are some really uh, simple and clear ways that you can tell people about Jesus, which we can go into more depth later if you'd like, Neil. And then the final one about what next is I think you need to do all of your evangelism in conjunction with your local church. 
where, where you go to church. It doesn't matter uh, what denomination. I'm saying you need to know what's coming up at church. You need to be uh, confident so you can say at the end of the conversation, hey, you know what? I'd love to invite you to church. Would you like to come along? Uh, and when you're there, uh, tell your pastor, tell your, an elder and say, hey, I've got a guest coming. Um, they can come over and help make them feel comfortable as well. In fact, isn't this one of the huge benefits of belonging in a local church? Because when you have those faith conversations, when you are sharing the gospel and someone says, you know what, I, I do believe what you're saying. I want to connect with God. Then your relationship with your local church makes that what next question so much easier because you can make that invitation and you can have others gather around and uh, be a support as that person finds their feet in their faith. Yeah, I mean, it is absolutely crucial. If I can tell a quick story, we've got a a man at our church who works in the building industry, uh, and he's a Christian, uh, but not super confident in articulating his faith, but become a Christian in the last couple of years. Anyway, he's having a very deep conversation with a man in his office on the building site, and the the question got on to uh, religion and to God, and our church guy, the young Christian, he really got to a point where he knew, oh, I, I don't know the answers to these questions here. So he dialed up the guy who'd led him to the Lord. Um, and he put him on speakerphone. And that guy, uh, the three of them then had a conversation. And uh, the, the non-believer asked all of his questions. And, and the really strong believer, the evangelist, uh, was able to answer them and then finish it with like, hey, why don't you let Phil bring you to church on Sunday and we can chat more about it then. Uh, and praise God, uh, this man, Aaron, um, became a Christian. He came and then a couple of weeks later, he really understood the gospel um, and he and his family have started coming to church and uh, getting baptized. And I mean, this is what we're talking about. You've, you've got a connection, a family connection, a church connection, where you know, okay, I can take this conversation to a certain level, but I know my pastor or my elder or um, a woman at my church or whoever, they're going to be just great at explaining this even better. So I'm gonna, all I've got to do is just invite them along. Uh, so being part of a church, I, I could not recommend it highly enough. And whenever you're in one of those conversations, Dave, uh, it's, a, I guess, a, an encouraging thing to know that whenever you find yourself in a conversation about Jesus, about faith, that this is actually a divine encounter. Mm. That this is someone hearing, maybe for the first time, uh, maybe they're following through and, uh, you know, perhaps people need to uh, have lots of uh, opportunities to talk with Christian believers where they uh, eventually will come to faith in Christ. But uh, these are divine encounters. And the presence of God in the conversation is often so, so apparent. Sometimes we leave out of it, we think it's all about us, but actually this is all about God. It's it's his mission and, and he's promised to be with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you're in these conversations, the Holy Spirit is there helping to direct that conversation. Well, uh, that is absolutely right. Here is the key. Success in evangelism is not someone's conversion. Okay, because God is in control of conversions. Success in evangelism is the actual act of evangelism itself. The pressure is not on you. If someone comes to know and love the Lord Jesus and you've had a role in that, praise God. If someone rejects God, but you've had a role in proclaiming how good God is, praise God. God is in control. There's a, there's a great passage that really changed my thinking of evangelism on this very point, Neil, in Acts chapter 17. And Paul is there, and he's in Athens, and he's addressing these very smart 
people, very you know, intelligent philosophers and thinkers and the high and mighty of his day. And he proceeds in Acts 17, verse 24, uh, to tell them a little bit about what it means that God's in control. And just let me read to you a little bit about what he says here. He says this in verse 26 of Acts 17, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this. Now listen. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. You see, my friends, you live where you live. You work where you work. Because God has put you there. So that the people around you may reach out, seek him, and perhaps find him. Every conversation, every, you know, on the bus, on the train, at the service station, in your cubicle, uh, on, the, on the work site, you are there because God has placed you there. It is a divine appointment and God has a purpose and a plan behind it. I, I tell you, when I understood that, it really, really changed my evangelism. It really made me go, okay, I don't press pause here and just not do it because I'm not in the mood. God has appointed every moment. Um, for me to share the gospel, and he's in control. It's all about God, and uh, he is the one who's directing the pieces on the chessboard, so to That's speak. Right. And right. uh, But look, let me just bring you back to the power of having your own testimony, because mm. and in your testimony is is a significant one, and, uh, and you said uh, oh, it's nothing super special. A lot of people are like this. In fact, you're absolutely right. A lot of, and you were talking about men, a lot of men uh, drinking mm. themselves into oblivion, are, right. uh, are womanizing in the, the ways that, that you were. And, uh, and there's a testimony that you've got. The testimony helps people to relate to you, and they can appreciate where you were, and they can appreciate then the changed you, the transformed life. This is a walking demonstration of the power of the gospel. And and when you have a testimony to share, then you are a walking testimony of the power of the gospel. That's a powerful thing, Dave. I think uh, you cannot underestimate the power of God's story in your story. Now, I have no doubt there's listeners today. Um, this, well, I, I, as you were saying that, I, I know for a fact there's listeners here today, uh, men in particular, who are living the double life who are going off and doing all these things on the side um, and trying to present themselves in one way. Or maybe they've switched on the radio and they've been brought up in a Christian background and they've heard of the story of, uh, of mine and, and they're thinking, oh boy, that, that is me. I just want to say to those men, you are loved by God. You are forgiven by God if you come to him and repent. Brothers, <laughs> uh, life is so much better with God and don't waste time. Uh, the, the second part of that question, though, about your testimony and the power of that, uh, as I said, you can't underestimate it. But here, here's the key to it. You, I'm sure there's people there saying, well, my testimony is boring, Neil. I was brought up in a Christian family. I went to Sunday school. I, I became a Christian when I was very young, and I've been a Christian my whole life. That's not interesting. And, and I would say to you, oh, my friend, that story is the most utterly radical story there is. You haven't walked away from Christ. You stayed his son or his daughter your whole life. Uh, it is utterly mesmerizing to so many people um, but there's a really mesmerizing part of all of our testimonies which bond them together and that's the really important point of when you're sharing your testimony to make sure 
that it's actually not all about you. Your testimony is actually all about the work of Jesus in your life. Um, so you really want to have, when you tell your testimony, when you share your faith, um, a little bit maybe think of it this way structurally. You go, okay, before Christ, then Christ, then after Christ. But it's really important you don't forget that Christ bit in the center. It's a great opportunity for me to say very, very, very quickly sometimes, so I was in the army, I was divorced, I was an utter wreck. But then I discovered that Jesus Christ died for sinners, not for perfect people, for scumbags like me. And now my life's not perfect, but I live each day knowing that I'm loved and forgiven by God. You see, the centerpiece of that testimony isn't me, but Christ. Uh, and all of us can do that. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour is Dave Jensen, and Dave is a part of a church that is called Multicultural Bible Ministries, and it's in Rooty Hill, there in the western suburbs of Sydney. And Dave, as we're talking about sharing the gospel, having a testimony, well, uh, you know, Western Sydney, uh, it's, a, it's a big, big place. Lots and lots of people in Western Sydney. And uh, the sorts of people that you're, you're actually ministering to, sharing your faith with uh, on, a, on a regular basis, these are people coming from uh, places where they really need to have something oftentimes uh, that's going to bring some transformation to their lives. Yeah, uh, the Western suburbs of Sydney, and, and I'll just say right now, Neil, uh, the most beautiful part of Sydney of course, the, the beautiful western suburbs of Sydney uh, is an area where God has brought people from all nations to us. Um, you know, at our church, we have uh, over 70 uh, different nationalities represented. Um, we have translation booths. We have, we have people from um, who were originally born into uh, Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, uh, all sorts of backgrounds um, coming to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the western suburbs, uh, the fastest growing area in Australia, and I think in the history of Australia, um, is in desperate need of more and more churches and more and more Christians uh, who will act as evangelists to, to tell people. Because, you know, it, it, the Western suburbs is a, is a wonderful, fascinating place, a melting pot of cultures, um, but there is a lot of pain. Uh, there is, uh, it's also an area where there is uh, people um, who don't have it so well off. Uh, who, who haven't been dealt the best hand sometimes in life. Um, and we have a great opportunity here to go, hey, 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 what matters here is not your bank balance, it's not your bank account, it's not your car, it's not your house. Your identity to God is love. When, when you come to Christ and are forgiven and saved, God looks at you and he says, you are my son, you are my daughter. And that's far more powerful, far more transforming than winning the lottery. Um, and so having the privilege to speak like that to people from all backgrounds, Aussies or, or people from overseas, uh, is a tremendous privilege. Well, Dave, with 70 different cultural groups represented in your church, uh, there's something special about that too because sometimes you can feel as though uh, your Christianity is just sort of Anglo-Saxon, mm. uh, you know, we can trace the heritage back and it's a good uh, Anglican heritage that goes back to the First Fleet too. But but there's a sense in which this gospel is relevant across all of these cultures and people who are coming to Australia from uh, various different cultures, they're coming sometimes from very, very different settings. But mm. this gospel message 
is just as powerful uh, for everyone who comes from whatever background. Uh, you know, the, the beauty of the gospel is that uh, it is the power of salvation and that God has said, uh, Jew, Gentile, male, female, um, all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, we see it time and time again. It's, it's like, I, I won't deny it's an incredible privilege to be here at our Multicultural Bible Ministries. Uh, to actually see uh, time and time again people who have never heard the gospel hearing about Jesus and being transformed. Um, and that's what's happening. That, that's As people come, they, they haven't rejected the gospel. They've never heard the gospel. And in fact, can I, can I just stress to your listeners, um, wherever you are, you don't have to be in Western Sydney uh, and you don't have to be in a multicultural context. Uh, the greatest Thing that I've noticed in Australia that prevents people becoming Christians, well, it's obviously sin, I'll say that, uh, but it's not that people have rejected the gospel, it's that most people have never even heard it. Um, and that's most Anglos, by the way. You might have gone to an inverted commas Christian school or not, uh, but still most people have never had one person sit down with them over a coffee and say, mate, can I tell you what Christianity is, all, is actually all about? Can I actually spend five minutes of your time and just share with you why Jesus died. Um, you don't need to be a, a doctor, a PhD student to be able to do that, by the way. Even um, uh, anyone can do this. Uh, and that's what I really want to encourage everyone listening today. Uh, it's not beyond you. In fact, God has gifted you to be able to do it. And at this time of year, as we've been oh, reflecting, yeah. a wonderful opportunity to be able to openly and authentically mm. uh, share your faith with others and mm. uh, the encouragement for listeners to do that. Well, uh, Dave Jensen, great getting your insights and uh, I love these conversations that we've had now and yeah. uh, wonderful opportunities just to uh, speak heart to heart and uh, discuss things perhaps really as they are in the context that people are facing uh, where they're part of a local church and growing in maturity and mm. uh, getting to a point where they really can be used by God in a significant way as he is unfolding his mission to reach out to Aussies. And uh, just to mention the Multicultural Bible Ministries, that's the name of the church that Dave Jensen is a part of in Rooty Hill in Western Sydney. And uh, for listeners in Western Sydney, uh, if you're not attached to a local church, you might like to make contact uh, with Dave Jensen uh, through the Multicultural Bible Ministries. Dave, uh, thanks so much for joining us today and great getting your insights. Let's do this again sometime soon. Neil, thanks, brother. Thanks to all your listeners. God bless. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.